This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come from personal experience, not professional training. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all listeners, so please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. everybody. Unfortunately, this week, we only have two out of three recorded topics for you. Our overview at the end does cover all three of the ones that we had originally recorded, but we had a problem with our audio for our first topic not syncing up. And I have put in multiple hours of editing to try and make all of our things that we've said make sense as uh, to, enough to be in the episode. And it is just not coming together. If I manage to fix it in the future, we will probably release it as like bonus content on our Patreon. We'll be back next time with all three topics and you should be good to go. Thank you very much for your understanding. Uh, so Farron uh, is part of the Athask people. And she, there's multiple times in her scenes in the book where we see her take an, an injury and essentially do her best to either ignore it because other things are more important or deliberately not show how bad it is. This actually works to her disadvantage because there's a couple of times where her injuries, if they were taken more seriously immediately, could have actually getted her, wow, gotten her <laughs> uh, the help that she, she needs faster. Um, I'm specifically thinking about if uh, if the fisher the fisherman had known how bad her ankle was. Uh, there's one point where like her ankle, she's been walking on a, a broken ankle for like what twelve hours uh, or something. I mean, it was hit by a crossbow bolt, so I'm gonna say maybe not. Oh, broken, maybe not broken. But just still. but it was definitely infected. It was swelling. It was it was not not okay. And she uh, the 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 people who picked her up uh, out of her makeshift raft on their own boat, they looked at her and said, clearly you're injured. We think it'll be fine. We want to get our fish in for the day. We understand you're being pursued, but you seem to have lost them. You know, we'll get our fish and then we'll take you to our village. And they thought that would have been fine. But then there's a point in the book. So the the people pursuing her catch up. But then there's there's a point after they've... They're kind of trying to outrun her pursuers where the people on the boat realize how bad her ankle is. And they kind of talk to each other like, oh, if we had known, we would not have waited. And, you know, that's that's kind of a pretty big deal. It, it, deliber- it actually affects her, her health and her life. It's put on the path to healing slightly later in the story. Um, and she's told... You know, don't stress it. Don't walk it if you walk or run if you have to. Like, be very, very careful, or you'll lose your leg. And she says, "Okay," but realize I will do what I have to, and does not even attempt to avoid 
avoid or mitigate stress on it in any way. And she does end up actually losing her foot. Um, there's nothing that they can do. Because it was, to her, more important to get this message mm-hmm. than to worry about her foot. And it is important to note here that she is being magically pursued. This is not a this is not completely a case of just deliberately endangering her health. Like she there are legitimate reasons where she needs to not stop and keep moving and keep running and go on that dangerous path to pull them away from the kid. Like there's there's legitimate reasons for what she does the way she does what she does. But the thing that we're kind of looking at here is all of those things are totally things that she could have accomplished. While also saying, I am in pain. This is something that's happening to me. Please look at my ankle while I'm on your boat and please get me to land now. Please don't wait. And she instead goes, okay, after the day is over. And when she is explicitly asked, like, how's your pain? Yeah. You know, do you feel sick? Yeah, Um, multiple times. Yeah, she plays it off or... You know, yeah, she doesn't even play it off. She just she doesn't even play. She just says, "I'm I'm okay," and, and it's not a it's not a ploy. She legitimately looks at herself and says, "This is fine." Well, I I don't know. Let me because there's a bit where Sabriel asks, you know, is the pain bearable, and she says, "Pain is nothing to the F ask." She paused, then added more truthfully, "But there is less than there was." That is true. There is that. That's true. There's so that it, moment. We definitely get in the text there being a difference between how she feels and the cultural expectation Mm -hmm. to not say that you're hurt it's not like she feels less pain it is that culturally she doesn't express it right 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 right. she's not ignoring it she is deliberately not passing on it she's not passing the knowledge of it on to anyone else right um and I just want to pull back to something we were, Robin said, uh, before we started recording. Uh, so we, uh, we, we write out our own, like, shorthand notes for what we're going to talk about. We don't totally go into this unprepared, you know? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I had started the notes before Robin got here. Uh, and I had written for this section, Farron, treating physical pain and injury as something to be endured without visible signs of distress. And that description of it, uh, what did what did you say, Robin? I said, next time, just at me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's funny because I also do this. What what we're trying to get at is we have a specific perspective, perspe- pers- specific perspective on this being a sign of trauma in a particular way whereas i don't don't know how obvious this would be and if you're feeling like this doesn't seem like something to talk about in your book about trauma our point isn't that she's very stoic or something no the point is that when you have a message your entire the, the reaction of my pain doesn't matter it is literally less important than anything else and if i'm asked it's like Oh yeah, I guess that is there. It's just it's it's um it's not necessarily that the specific pain that she's ignoring is the trauma, mm-hmm. though there is that as well in these books, but also just the implied <laughs> This is one where it's like it's hard to untangle like how much is implied by the author and how much it's like yeah. oh this is a thing, the stoicism is a thing, but for us it implies 
this weight of of years of it not being taken seriously. Well, and, and more than just not taken seriously. Yeah. Like, n- cultural, like, not allowed to talk about it. And that not being able to talk about things hurting, that is that is a kind of trauma. Yes. And so he just, you know, since this was, like, a little bit of a weird one, we wanted to go ahead and say, hey, like, nope, that's, that's totally a thing. It's definitely a thing. And it's, you know, she describes it as being a cultural norm, and we don't get specific evidence of that other than her saying, mm-hmm. but taken writ large, we have an entire people where, you know, don't discuss or show pain, and it's just just moving on. And it, it's, again, her, we're, we're about to get into her growing up and how it was different from other people in her tribe. So it is it is hard to know if it was this, this extreme for other Athask or whether the severity of it is a little bit more just on her. Um, and and it's it's also, I just, one, one final, like, I guess, thought with that is, it's very comparable to say, and again, we're going to get into this in a second, but it's very comparable to say that the, her upbringing makes it more important that she doesn't show anything negative about herself, including pain. Right. And also, also when she says it's cultural, I think it's important to note that there is a lot of trauma inflicted on people that is cultural. Right. And, and, and sometimes that trauma is, that being cultural is as simple as, I mean, there's, you know, we're, we're, we're we live in the U.S., <laughs> We're Americans. There are certain uh, subsets of culture in America that stress self-sacrifice or that your pain is unimportant because you can't inconvenience other people or you're not taken seriously. And we say subset, we mean anything from a, a household to a cultural group, just like it's... yeah. And, and sometimes it's the culture at large looks at certain minorities and says, your pain is less important. It, it can be, it can be as small as a family. It can be, it is as big as the country targeting individuals. And so we definitely think. Just because the trauma is cultural doesn't mean it's not trauma. Yes. Yeah. Um, the two are not mutually exclusive. Yeah. The two are not mutually exclusive at all. Okay, so moving on to Farron as the offering. Uh, let's talk about her name. Farron doesn't have a name. <laughs> According to her people, she doesn't have a name. She doesn't get to have one. She informally got the nickname, it sounds like, from like a, a cousin or a childhood friend or something. Well, she didn't have any um, friends. This was a cousin who was a child. <laughs> sorry, a cousin who was a child <laughs> uh, called her Farron, which was a corruption of the word offering. And... She is meant to be a perfect example of the tribe, a perfect physical specimen, just totally ready, like able to be a warrior, so that when Clore needs a new body, she can be killed and become Clore's new body. I'm not sure if she gets killed or exactly how that works, but her individuality would be gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figure it's kind of like the free spirit battle that we get uh, set up for in Clarial, where whoever wins is in charge, but, like, none of the offerings are going to beat Clor in a, in a, right. in a willpower face-off. 
And she is supposed to be dead because after Clore, the reason I don't think they get physically killed is because Clore got physically killed, came back as a greater dead spirit. Oh yeah, no, they're they're. I right. don't think and that. And so they're... now she no longer now she no longer can use all those all those other offerings. Farron is not the only one. Every tribe had to have one. Well, it's it's also specifically stated that the bodies age and then decay, and we've also kind of seen that when dead spirits take over dead bodies, those bodies decay incredibly rapidly, even when the spirit is not super powerful, and when they are super powerful, it's worse. They're, they're not lasting for 20 years, and, and Clore's bodies are. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, taking over... Depend how literally dead they are in these books is something it doesn't go into. I mean, we've got like nine gates of dead, so there's a lot of ways to be dead without being dead. That's true. <laughs> being in death without being dead. <laughs> um, but anyway, so when Clore can't use these bodies anymore, uh, all the tribes are directed to kill their offerings, and Farron, her tribe, doesn't kill her, and they send her with this message, and that's the thing she's got to deliver, and that's what she, you know, it's more important than her foot, and, you know, the stuff that we discussed earlier. Um, she grows up to be a sacrifice, to be killed. Mm -hmm. And I think it ties into and exasperates the cultural pressure that pain doesn't matter that we discussed yeah. earlier. But... Like, uh, she's got stuff above and beyond the rest of her tribe, because she she has to be perfect, but she doesn't get to benefit from it, if that makes sense. I know that yeah. probably sounds a little, like, weird or selfish or something, but it's like... It's true, though. <laughs> yeah, like, if it normally, if someone, like, gets to be super awesome at a thing, hopefully it's because they like it, and they at least get the benefits of being good at it, if there are benefits to be had, she specifically, like, doesn't. Like, mm -hmm. she has to be, like, strong and good at archery or whatever, so that when Clore uses her body, Clore is strong and can do whatever physically. Do you have more thoughts with this? I just, I think that, yes. <laughs> um, I think a big part of this trauma... I mean, all of the trauma, because they can't harm her body. It has to be perfect. It's all very psychological. And I think the it's important that she she has no identity. Her whole identity is to die for her people. And I think that it's especially... I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a million examples of what happens when you're not allowed to have an identity. Or you're, or even just mm -hmm. you're not allowed to identify with something that is true about you. And so we see never just like straight out, but there's very much evidence to support in the book that Farron sees herself as a sacrifice. And kind of as we discussed in our, our second topic, it, it drives, she sees herself as a sacrifice so much to the point that losing her foot is fine. Because if she did it for her people, then it's okay. Right. She would have lost her whole body. What is a foot compared to her life? I actually think it's really cool. So this was something that, again, we kind of kind of talked about this ahead of time, but we didn't talk about this related to this topic. Robin just kind of mentioned it. Farron actually ends the book interested in Sam, 
potentially romantically. Oh, not but no. Okay, okay, to be clear, because I don't know if you missed this. They are going to do oh, it. Oh, no, they, they are. They are going to but do that's... it within 10 minutes of the book being over. <laughs> like. But, but my, my point is, my point is, like, Farron has nothing that is for her. And in the book, she gets a, ro- a, a potential romantic partner. I say potential because I'm not equating romance to sex. <laughs> okay, true. But and and also potential romantic partner implies long term and not okay. just. Ooh, she's you're been hot. giving signs. She's been giving signs that she likes him on more than just a sexual level. That's fine. They were there. That's fine. But but like but I'm saying like as far as like th- that's the kind of thing that people do when they see a future for themselves and they expect to oh, live. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Her whole yeah, life. If she, if she, she was, didn't see a future for herself, she would have tried to do it the night before the big battle. <laughs> she does yes. see a future, and so she wants to do it after. And, and not only that, like, she wants to live. She cares about living. She cares about existing after whatever. And, and that's something that her entire life she has been told is not go- is not for her. She will be, she will be hopefully chosen by Clore, and until then, she sits around and waits. (laughs) Um, And I I just think it's really important to highlight that she doesn't end the book in suffering. She ends the book making decisions about things that she wants that implies that she expects to be around for a long time. And that's important. Um, Farron is self-sacrificial, not suicidal, and I think it matters, basically. Okay, yeah, that, that difference. She doesn't want to die. She just didn't think she was going to get to live. Yes. There we go. That's the summary that I was looking for words for. So yeah, that's, I think that that, I think that matters. Welcome to our wrap up and ratings. Let's get into it. Gratuity. All right. Mogget. Backstory off screen and a little bit mild. I would go. Or well, is it backstory off screen and severe? Um, we could also go that way. We have to go with what is physically in the book, and the severe things are not physically in Uh, the book. Okay. So, backstory, off-screen, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. But but enslavement is not mild, is the problem. That's why I was saying severe. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. Right. It's either backstory off-screen or you have no free will and you we watch him (laughs) struggle with trying. Like, he doesn't even get to look like what he wants to look like. Okay. We mentioned that he has two main forms. The cat and I'm going to use the term from the book. It's an albino dwarf. That's how it's Mm -hmm. said in the book. So, and it's hard to know whether that means fantasy dwarf or what we might more appropriately call little person. I don't know. The book literally says albino dwarf. But anyway, mm-hmm. he, he, that form was forbidden to him. And in order for him to use it, the abortion has to give him specific permission to get to use it in front of them. Mm-hmm. And there is something about Sabriel only having let him do that like a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he eats fish in both forms. Like, we don't have any doubt about him. It's not like he's coerced into liking fish or something. But I think his love for fish is the only, like, genuine thing that is him that we get in the books. And it's hard to even know how much of that is he just 
We don't know how that started. We don't know how far back he likes it. We just know at the point that we meet him yeah. that he likes fish is the most genuine expression we get. Yeah. And then his he spends, you know, four books with his will being subsumed. So... <laughs> Okay, so yeah, severe. Moving on to Farron. I would say this one's a little bit tricky because it's the description is mild, but if that's yeah. a thing that resonates with you, it'll it'll hit hard. Yes. So it's it's mild it's, and it's that it not moderate. Tr- <laughs> it's either it's right. not moderate. It's either mild or severe, depending on your reading of it. But it's written to be mild. It's written to be mild, but if it resonates, it's gonna suck. So, <laughs> yeah my my description of it hit Robin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like um, yeah it just having that summarized that way, and fair and growing up to be sacrificed. I would say, <sighs> I would say it's kind of the same. Yeah, backstory and moderate. Because oh yeah, it's, it's definitely backstory. Yeah, and then we mostly see like the impact of that. Like it's mm-hmm. it's like it's in yeah, her we don't name. see it <laughs> right. We but we see the effects, and the effects are moderate. They're they're pervasive. They totally affect her. Mm-hmm. It's, it's every time she says her name, like <laughs> yeah, it's it's right there. Her now. Name. I don't think that this is I don't think it's gonna traumatize a reader, but if you're no. someone who is has to be the shining example of your family, it's probably gonna resonate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. again, it's a magical analog, but this one there's not a whole lot of magic involved and so it's it's pretty close. <laughs> um hopefully you're not, you know, gonna be sacrificed to a witch when you turn 20 or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah like that's that's hopefully not something that will resonate but you never know um Uh, moving on to let us know we'll get you a helpline (laughs) (laughs) yeah we've got resources for you why this trauma Moggit is integral he is like his his it's not replaceable um it's not irrelevant yeah the most you could do is have it be expressed in different ways, but the underlying trauma that runs through the book is consistent. Like, it it wouldn't have had to have been that a form is prohibited to him. It could have been something yeah, else. Yeah, there could have been other things, but, like, if he wasn't there, these books would not have happened. Yeah, but not the core of it. Right. Farron's physical suffering and ignoring it. This is also... See, I feel like... It's not integral. It's not... It's not... It's, it's the meat cute. Um. What? <laughs> how? Wait, wait. Do you know what a meat cute is? I do, but I don't understand how right. you think it's that. She has to lose her foot so that she and Sam can spend hours no, Robin, in a workshop that's not, together. We're not. This is not a podcast about the romance in the books. <laughs> Excuse I feel you. Like, I feel like I need one where Heather and I talk about the romance in all the books, and then you and I talk about all. I'll <laughs> I'll come like on as a guest books. and just be confused the whole time. It'll be great. Yeah. But so what I'm saying, I'll that's, just say okay, I'm sorry I, I wasn't is, reading it correctly. The whole, every part of what every I mean ten is minutes interchangeable because it is relevant yeah. to the plot, but in a way where that didn't have to. Be, she didn't have to lose her foot, but the reason I, she loses okay. her foot is so that she can spend a bunch of time with Sam. Hi, cat. Um, no, Robin, that's not why yes. that happened. That 
That's, I no, Nikki. That's <laughs> I disagree. I feel like you've missed okay, major me, plot me, points if you don't think that's why. I <laughs> I don't think Garth Nix is that kind of author. Excuse me. <laughs> I disagree. No. Okay. Let me let me pull it back and and point out something else though. You're uh-huh. focusing on the foot. We are talking about all of the physical suffering that she ignored. Hunger, drow- uh, exhaustion, um, yes, being attacked, being hit by arrows, not just in the foot. Um, mm. The undead coming after her, uh, climbing up that shale and could have died at literally any second and also like is getting cut up by rocks and blasted by fireballs and she just moves on. What I would say is this is this is not about the foot. Is, okay, my, my, all right. I was a little bit tongue in cheek. My point with the foot is the general shape is integral. The details are interchangeable. That was my point. Okay, I uh, yes, I do agree with you there. I just want to. I, I know that you're being kind of tongue in cheek. I just want to make sure our listeners realize that, like, especially the listeners who didn't listen to that part and skip to our ratings. That it's not uh-huh. just about a foot. It is about all of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff. But the details could have been swapped out without it changing the general picture. Okay, But yes, you needed I do that agree general that. picture for the story. Yeah, I, I and concur. And I was just saying that the <laughs> most severe of those things, even the most severe of them for this even section, though- could have been swapped out. Okay. Because that, yeah. the reason... It she loses a limb is so that he can make her a limb so that they can spend bunches of time together in a romance implied after the book like that okay i all right they've they've been sam doesn't have anybody and sam needs a relationship they've been doing that since lyriel like this for me this arc has been building for like I mean, three I'm, books, because it doesn't build at all in cl- in Clarial. I'm not. I'm not saying that that is wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> that I don't think that's why she lost a foot. <laughs> that's all. Okay. I hold on one second. All right. Okay. Anyways, moving on. All right. And then growing up to be sacrificed is integral to the plot. Absolutely integral. Not irreplaceable. Now, not interchangeable. The, the change could have been. She didn't have to be the one who was supposed to be the sacrifice. Yeah, but that would change but, the story. Oh yeah, that would change so no, many that implications. Would, that would not, Robin. I mm-hmm. I argue that that is wrong because oh, she okay. had the charm literally buried in her body as a sacrifice, as an offering. Oh, that was and that's how, how they, they found, found Clore. It could not have happened with anyone else. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's how they found Clore. So, yeah. okay, yeah, it had to be her. The The amount to which it's interchangeable is it didn't have to be her of all the people. But, you know, that it needed to be one of the people who was supposed to be Clore's body. I mean, it could have it been a different offering. Yeah, that's, but- and that's the degree of interchangeability, <laughs> which is not a lot. That's not really okay. interchangeable. That's just putting different characteristics on a character. <laughs> yeah. All right. Was the trauma treated with care? Uh... In general, yeah, yes, not <sighs> Mogget, I would say treated with um gentle kid gloves soaked in Clorox so the blood doesn't stick. Yeah, like um, delicacy, <laughs> just like just like little drips it's of like <laughs> yeah, of like I don't know, just kind of the way if you're like trying to you know figure out if it's 
cool to talk about something stressful with people. You just, like, drop in just, like, a comment about, like, a thing. And then how much they jump tells you whether you can say more things. That mm-hmm. is what's happening in these books with Mogget. And, and to be clear, not happenings from Mogget, happening with the author. The author right, from the is author. subtly dripping pieces in the conversation that we are having as a reader uh, with him through the book and saying, hey. Yeah. So it's it's done artfully. It's done... Oh, it's done yeah. very tastefully. Yeah. Uh, okay. Farron. I don't feel like it's extreme with Farron, um, with the physical pain and injury thing. That it's, it's very pretty, stark. pretty yeah, blunt. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I, think, I think it think... was necessarily blunt, and it's not graphic. Is the other thing? Oh, sure, not graphic. Um, but I don't think I think the lack of care there was intentional and necessary. But I also. Actually, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say enough because it was not graphic. It was not written in a traumatizing way for a reader, but it was definitely written without any extra care. But I, but again, like I think that was necessary. I think that the impact and the understanding of exactly what it is that's happening would not have been there right. if it had been treated with more care. Um, Growing up to be sacrificed. That. That, again, I would say that's enough. Yeah. Because it's such, like, it's such, like, a, a big idea in the book mm-hmm. that talking about it less doesn't work. It wasn't talked about and, to and the point of being overkill. And talking about it overkill. less explicitly also doesn't work. Right. Yeah, you need, like, here's why someone would keep going even after they lost a foot get this message because not giving the message is worse all right point of view point of view of the trauma we never get it through Mogget's eyes we do we always don't we in clariel no we see clariel seeing Mogget. we never get like Mogget looking at clariel so what with Mogget, what we get is different people seeing him in more and less constricted forms and and modes and Clariel feels like she sees the truest Mogget mm-hmm. but by the time we get that because of where Clariel is in the narrative versus the release order we've mm-hmm. already seen a different truer Mogget and I feel mm-hmm. like with those books back to back we get how Mogget was before he had somebody who cared about him as a friend. In this case, I mean, Sam. We get Mogget before he has a friend, and when he just has people he's manipulating. And then we get him after he is a friend. But he's still, like, very much a cat about it. Because (laughs) it's like... And because Sam's like, you didn't help at all. And he's like, eh, I helped a little. You know, don't don't screw up the river. I helped enough. This is fine. Yeah. I did I did my part, which was show up, eat a fish, <laughs> yell at people for disturbing the river. And well, then, in this case, he showed up, got mad about fish, and left. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's what he does. Also, no. that this was one of his... F- <sighs> okay, we'll talk about later. No, you keep going. Um, no, I was gonna say that, you know, him him having favorite rivers. Um, oh. So, with this, yeah, with the point of view... 
we get other people looking at him. Now, Mm -hmm. Aftermath, this book is the aftermath of his trauma. And I'm really glad that he showed up so that we get Aftermath and we don't have the last thing being, Mogget be free. Oh, remember back when you weren't free. Remember back when you were treating people better or worse? I mean... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Point of view for Farron enduring things. We get her perspective. We get we get her narration. We follow her pretty closely. The style. I mean, isn't she's quite, the main character. Yeah, I mean, the style isn't first person, um, right? But given how close it gets to her, the characters' heads, we got we got into her head, um, and I think it was well, but minimally described. And mm-hmm. yeah, not yeah. a whole lot to say about that one. Um, and then with growing up to be sacrificed we kind of get other people reacting to the implications of knowing that this is a thing, but not a whole lot of time spent on and how did that make you feel? (laughs) Uh, Accurate. Not that I necessarily think that Farron would have engaged in that, but part of why she probably (laughs) wouldn't have is because she doesn't think her life matters individually. So, uh, for that point of view, it's definitely not quite her like like she says it mm-hmm. but when she says it she's not really concerned about her she's concerned about the witch with no face is doing these things oh and if you didn't read the book the witch with no face is what um Farron's people call Chlor of the mask that's just that's that's a pretty early on that's not a spoiler at all it's just like the beginning <laughs> all right so now, aspiring writer tip. Do you have aspiring one? Aspiring writer tip. I'm trying to think. It's hard when these books are so long. Or I'm sorry, when the series is so long to like, and it's all the same characters. I, it's not different people. Well, okay, um, but then, but going off of that, like Moggett's story gets told over the five books without ever having to have him as the point of view character. That's true. We and okay, very we, well. We, very we well get done. a bit where he like tastes the charter mark on Nick's forehead. Like that is was that we him? have like yeah. I thought oh, that no, was no, the that dog. was the dog. You're right. That was the dog. Yeah, we never we, ne- we get the dog is the is the walker. Yeah, we never get uh, Moggett's. We never get. We never really follow Moggett. The closest we come is we follow him for like thirty seconds before Nick finds him or Sam yeah. finds him or somebody. Anyway, that's not in this uh, book. He finds Sam and Lyriel <sighs> in abortion when he's going through the woods and they're at that battle. Anyway, so aspiring writer tip, don't like keep the plot threads of the minor characters. Yeah, don't let them they're get not- lost. I like that as a writer. I like that as a yeah. tip. Like if you, you have like, you don't have to I guess going off of that, like you don't have to have them be the main character for their story to matter and get told. Yeah. It's part of why we have our minor character spotlight. Yeah. Um, and and Moggett's is... And also, you don't have to give away the story up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and we might want to make that our tip in, in a later time, but I just yeah, appreciate how Moggett's story is actually told. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Favorite non-traumatic thing about this book? When, like, the bandolier shows up on Lariel's chest and then Nick opens it or when the the pouch the extra pouch shows up and then Nick opens oh, it and pulls yeah. the dog out by like her ear or something like 
<laughs> I, yeah, I'm a fan of that. Oh, wait, that pouch. I hadn't, I hadn't, we had earlier that Lariel had added that pouch so that yeah. the statue could be there. Nick was just like, Bells, there's seven of them, right? Why is there an eighth? What's going on? Like, so oh, look, the pouch didn't really appear, but just... No, the pouch didn't appear, but... My favorite non-traumatic thing about the books and the series in general, starting with Lariel, is mm-hmm. when the dog appears, she's going in and out of being that soapstone statue. Oh, yeah. That's good. And it's, like, it's always done in, like, some, like, weird, cool way. Like, she's grabbed by an ear and expands into a dog. Just, like, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Or she, like, squirms, I think, out of Lyriel's coat on her own at one point. Oh, no! Lyriel had had thought she was unsummoned forever. Lyriel reaches into a pocket. It's so good. Well, because she reached for, like, her clockwork mouse and she found the dog yeah. or something yeah. like yeah just, <laughs> like oh just what's this? how how the dog just does that my favorite non-traumatic thing about this book um this book specifically i mean i guess going back to Mogget, i like that we see him free i appreciate that i realize that i think maga has been my favorite thing in like three of these books uh mm-hmm. but also Mogget is my favorite character <laughs> in general and I don't know. I I appreciate that when I was in high school and the first three books were the only ones that existed, we didn't get this part. And I I like it. Just, I think, like I said last time, last episode, that we didn't get to see Mogget acting under his own power, kind of, which we -hmm. did in Clarion. And so now we see him literally acting as his own agent under his own will. And that is definitely my favorite thing. Yeah. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at bookstheburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash bookstheburn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout-out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.